You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Okay, so you're you're probably the first mascot I've ever spoken to. So, so we're gonna <laughs> do, gonna be the last. We're dude. doing a deep dive. So you got the suit on. Yeah. For the uh, cougars, what did you, what did you call name the cat? His name's Rowdy Cat. Rowdy Cat. Okay, so we got Rowdy Cat. So. What's the most challenging part, other than I'm sure you're sweating like crazy in there, but what's yes. the most challenging part of, of being Rowdy Cat? Uh, so when you're in the suit, you are you look much bigger than you are, although there was two of us uh, at the time, and my partner was six foot one, and I'm five foot four. <laughs> so when grown-ups would come into the rink, they'd be like, oh, it's little Rowdy Cat, or it's Rowdy Kitten, or you know, whatever. <laughs> That's funny. Because I was considerably smaller. Uh, but the most challenging part is when a person your size comes and jumps into your arms and you have to try to, oh, uh, yeah. to, you know, get around that, figuring out how to do that because you're supposed to be big and strong. You're rowdy cat. So that's probably the, uh, the biggest part, a funny opposite effect it had was, of course, you've got these big feet on. Mm-hmm. And even now, if I go into the CN center, which is where our cats play, I have to be really careful on the stairs because for me, those stairs require these big feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I have my regular size feet, I really have to pay attention. Talk to me, Corey, about why you think you do this. What what does what does all this bring in, into your house? You, uh, you know, as I, I've never been art- artistic at all. Like I can't even draw a stick man that looks real. So af- after <laughs> the struggle, the struggles of learning this. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah, I just, I love it and quite passionate about it. I, I think you could draw a stick, man. I think you could. No, <laughs> no, I really do struggle. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you one with the two flies, a picture. <laughs> like I'd add to that, Mark, another thing for me, I'm going to go into the mushy side now. I really like that, that camaraderie we have as like fly tying partners as opposed to husband and wife. Mm-hmm. It's just a different sort of like, um, it's a different kind of thing to share. It's hard to share your your artistic whatever it is with someone else. If one of you is a painter and one of you is a poet, you're not really sharing the understanding of what that is, but sharing that actual like feeling and seeing each other's work and hmm. trying to duplicate it or whatever, it's just kind of a, a real, and then, you know, Seeing, seeing someone, seeing my husband catch something on a fly I've tied, that's so cool. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, capturing the fly fishing life, featuring in-depth conversation with fly fishers from all walks of life. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com an online fly shop, your source for all things fly fishing. DamianAndy.com, featuring custom music by Damian Anderson. Find out more at D-A-M-I-O-N-A-N-D-Y.com. Broken Tippet Fly Company, for blog and fly fishing apparel, check out BrokenTippet.com. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, visit Wait For It Films on YouTube or at thewaitcreativeco.com. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, 
bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euronymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the fly crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hopley, and really happy you're choosing to join us this time around. We're going to do what we love to do on this show, and that is head out to the still, to the moving water, find passionate people in the fly fishing business and the fly fishing space and we've got a couple of beauties today on the line from c3 custom flies in prince george british columbia canada we've got carlene and Corey krellen guys thanks so much for coming on the show tonight thanks for having us thank you very much i we've been kind of trying to get this to happen for a few weeks now I'm, I'm so glad we did um i you guys probably know but i always like to start at the beginning of the journey so you know before you started doing custom flies thing and and before you kind of turned it into a side hustle where did fly fishing start for you let's start with you carlene like where did you get your passion for the water so um i've always fished since i was really little but fly fishing came a lot later. So I used to troll or, you know, whatever. I, um, with, with parents and stuff, our parents weren't big fly fisher people. So uh, mostly the trolling. And then Corey started fly fishing ahead of me. And uh, I was trying to be out there with him doing it. But of course, it's a skill. And so at first he was casting for me. And uh, I was getting more and more intrigued by it and more and more excited by it. So he took me out to a school field and taught me how to do it out there. And the rest is history, as they say. It's something nice about casting on a field for the first time too, right? There's, you don't have any shrubs in the background. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little, definitely a little bit uh, less intimidating than, yeah. than out on the water or anywhere that has any debris in the way. I always try to tell my buddies that, look, if you really want to come, I'll take you, but let's go to a field first. And they're like, I don't, you're not going to catch any fish in a field. But it's like you got to learn it somewhere, and I think I think for those of us that started on a ball diamond, a football field, a soccer field, that's probably a good place to start, right? Yeah, I agree. Corey, what about you? How did things get going for you in the fly fishing space? When when did you first kind of come to it? I kind of grew, grew up we, same thing as Carlene. You know, we used to troll as young young kids, and my my, my dad always had a. He always trolled with a fly rod, but he always had a sinking line and a flatfish. So, we, you know, we, we, we would troll around the lakes, catch fish that way. And then, you know, a couple years down the road, we were camping one year and I ended up, he had a dry line. I didn't even know anything about a dry line at that time and started casting off a dock and caught a few fish. And hmm. that's where, that's really where it started from there. You, you made me laugh because before we actually started hitting the record button, you mentioned your dad worked at Atco back in the day. And honestly, I can throw a rock at Atco from my house. It's not really far. Yeah, it's not called that anymore. But yeah, I can't remember what's in there now. It's not Moduline, is it? No, it's it's a. Um, I think it might have been at one point. There was definitely some mod- Britco. It was Britco for quite a while, and now it's something else. Right. I think the, they're talking about putting uh, apartment buildings or condos in there or something now, but. Um, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's going back. If you so you grew up in Penticton. So were you fishing like uh, you mentioned that that's my kind of memories growing up is trolling a flatfish like on not necessarily Panask Lake because that was a fly only lake, but like any of the local lakes. Did you fish a lot of lakes in and around the peach? I, I do recall going into Panask actually, and it might have been ice fishing. We spent a bit of time ice fishing when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I also recall going into headwaters. And if I remember correctly, that was, it was a rough, rough road. And I, I think we pretty much, you know, dragged our trailer behind the truck through these holes and might even got stuck a couple times. <laughs> that sounds like Benask. <laughs> that can, yeah. that can be gnarly. And, and maybe it was, I, you know, it's, it's going yeah. back so far. I might have my memories mixed up, but. Yeah, that's uh, that's a long way back, and that's uh, that. Well, both headwaters. That's funny. I spent a lot of time up there as a kid. It used to be full of brookies and rainbows. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Hmm. Cool. Um, well, let's um, talk influences. You know, Carlene. I'm sure you learned. It sounds like you learned a bit from Corey. But um, are there other people that have kind of um, either mentored you or kind of shown you the way a little bit, or maybe you learned from? Yeah, um, surprisingly, one of the people is somebody that I found on Instagram. Um, it's Christine Baines. I don't know if you follow or know who she is, but she's kind of a um, uh, unrecognized hero for the ladies of fishing. She is um, she's just a passionate angler, and uh, she's got a lot of content that was really making it exciting for me to be a woman angler. Um, it's tough sometimes to be in that, you know, you kind of feel like you just have to be perfect from the beginning. And I sent her a couple questions here and there and she was really supportive. And I was asking her, if I actually asked her at the very beginning if she could send me a video of her casting because Corey casts, um, when I'm watching him, he casts different than he teaches to cast. So watching him wasn't really helping. And I was watching her videos, but her body wasn't in the videos, just her line and the end of her rod. So she said, she said, well, what are you struggling with? And I said, I just feel like I can't get the line out there. And she said, do you think fish are only far away from the boat? And I said, yeah, okay, that's good advice. And <laughs> she said, you don't have to get the line out to catch fish. You just have to get the line in the water. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I've asked her for some advice all along the way. And, um, I think she was probably my, my best inspiration to not feel mm, shy or, or, uh, wonder what I was going to, you know, if I was going to look silly. So yeah, as a, as a female angler, I would say she was my biggest inspiration. Cool. Yeah. You know, we've had some real talented knowledgeable people from your neck of the woods i you know i just thought of um colette stroud do you know colette she's i think she's out of prince george too but um i don't she's a competitive fly fisher on uh i think she was on team canada um but there's there's so many we had we had uh the girl on and i her name is escaping me at this moment but um from stupid fish i don't know she's a character but there's a it's good to see so many women coming into the fly fishing space like i mean it i think it's a lot more comfortable i'm just saying this from what I, i perceive but it seems like it's more of a comfortable space than it was maybe 30 years ago for sure agreed and definitely social media helped with that because you you know, you get following and then you get suggestions and you start seeing other people liking their posts, et cetera. 
and uh, pretty soon you realize that it's actually quite a community and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of really like women who will put men to shame not that it's not that it's a competition but it kind of always is and that makes you feel like yeah okay I can do this too I don't have to yep. feel like I have to prove something I always think of Kathy Ruddick because she's been doing it so we had her on the show I remember going into her shop in Burnaby back in the this would have been in the 80s or early 90s late let's say late 80s but um you know those those people that kind of came before it wasn't probably as easy and i always think we got to kind of pay some some homage to that if that makes sense definitely yes there's a couple of youtube videos the women's names are escaping me now but they go back into the 80s and they're like teaching the fly fishing Mm -hmm. and you know the the proper techniques and stuff and i think that yeah i think that they kind of just like everything else somebody paved the road for you and i yep. think that they um, they definitely are so when i go back i try to watch we also move our bodies different so i try to watch women do those things because it's easier for me to look at those techniques yeah amen um what about yourself Corey? like um who influenced you i mean it sounds like maybe dad got you started but um throw some names de- de- definitely my parents you know it's back to the penticton days i remember you know, camping on a little pond and we were just fishing offshore back then, bobbing a worm. And you know, when, when the indicator fishing, I started to learn that that's, you know, you're, you're, you're going back to those days being a little kid with the bobber and a worm. And yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you fish indicators a lot now, Corey? I, I do. And the last couple of years here, we've been getting into the deep line stuff and that's been super fun, super fun. Mm. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to ask a few random questions that uh, aren't so random. You know the drill. Let's talk tunes. So now, do you guys fight over the stereo on, in the truck on the way to the water? Or what's what's playing in that truck? No, we, we've been together long enough now that we, we choose our battles a little wiser. But we, uh, I, I'm all over the map with my music. So Me too. I'm not a big fan of the heavier stuff. It actually makes me feel like I want to get into a husband-wife fight. So we stay away from those. <laughs> <laughs> stick to something like in the middle we we both really are fans of the tragically hip i actually have their ta- a tattoo of them on my body so huh. um road I apples it on my hip um and so we'd stick to like i don't know kind of like older stuff the I, I, I like chris cornell tracy yeah. chapman i can listen to dolly parton some con- you know mm-hmm. mix of country beastie boys it, like i'm all over yeah i feel that Good and stuff. then we also listen to quite a lot of podcasts in, in place of music. Yeah, yeah, it's nice when you've got, especially when you have a trip, right? I find that if I've got a 45-minute drive, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I look for 45-minute podcasts. and For sure. Yeah, kind of the time just disappears if you're into it. Let's talk fly patterns, guys. So now you are tying flies commercially with C3 Custom Flies. So uh, I love, you're the perfect people to ask this. What is one pattern that you guys reach for most often? Vampire Leech. Ah, <laughs> Todd Oshi. Ah, that's, yeah, that's a gooder. It's, hmm. it's, it's an amazing pattern. It's to, to, You're pretty much going to start off with it. For us, anyways. We both start off with the exact same color, everything, pretty much every trip out, and uh, and then... Get a throat sample from there. Yeah, you're mm. going to get something to at least get a throat sample. Do do you fish those under an indicator? Are you, are you stripping them? Are you trolling them? What are you doing with that? Uh, under an indicator for the most part. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Yeah, that's a, that is a that's a go-to for us also down here. Um, there's something about it that uh, just works. And then I have a, a damsel pattern. I sort of developed this winter, and it's just been unbelievably good this year. Yeah. So good. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Do I have to buy that from you to find out what it looks like? I, I will send you a couple. <laughs> what what color is it? I'm curious. Is it olive or brown or it, no? It's an olive. Olive, yeah. With big fluorescent green bead chain eyes on it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Where do you guys go to talk fly fishing? Like, is there a fly shop in PG that you go to? I don't even know if there's one in Prince George, but I... no, there's not, and uh. it's and it's needed for huh. me personally. It, it's I have a shop in the backyard, and that's that's where we go hang out and talk fishing, hunting. Cool. Both yeah. of our benches are set up back there, so the house is the house. But when we're back there, it's usually yeah, that's usually where you talk outdoor stuff. And hmm. when Corey's buddies come over to uh, talk that kind of stuff, I usually go out for a little bit, and then when the conversation moves on to things I'm bored of, I come back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's honest. Um, so, are you guys? Like when you do your tying, I'm really curious. So do you basically just sit down and like, are you filling custom orders for the most part? Or is it like, okay, this is in our catalog. I need to tie this beadhead damsel or, you know, chain damsel. Like I need, I need a hundred of them. Like how do you tie? Cause I, I always it, curious about that. It, it's a little of both. Like I'll get, so in the winter, you know, there's not so many orders coming in. So I'll sit down and tie 20 of these Carlene will tie 10 of those and then we just get a stockpile going and mm-hmm. comes come spring you you know every people start knocking on the door instagram you know i need 20 flies i need 30 of these 10 of those yeah it, do you guys have a favorite time of year to tie like is it the winter for you guys when it's maybe a little quiet 100 percent the winter definitely yeah I, i'm like that too if i could be it's, fishing i will be fishing you know what i mean like if i have the yeah, time exactly I don't want to sit at the bench where some people are totally different. I got buddies that bring everything to the lake and they're tying. I'm just like, man, I try to do that, but I just, I can't get off the water. No, same with us. We, we, you know, we've got these tackle boxes full of tying stuff and then we get there and we never break them out. Yeah. We've got like our to-go bag of, you know, this, we've got this stuff that we take so that if we want to match the hatch, that's, that's something that we can do. I think we've done it once. We, we usually no, maybe have twice. We did it this year that's too, true. Once, but... We usually have something close enough to the pattern that we don't bother wasting time off the water. Yeah. And then, you know, by the end of the day and you've been out there eight hours in the sun and you have a couple of cold ones or whatever, uh, the tying isn't always getting better, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that when I'm camping, it's like, oh geez, I don't think I want to tie right now. It, it's it's the same deal. The long nights in the shop get to be that way too. You got to know when to stop tying. Yeah. How do you know? Do you just feel it? Is it like, okay, I'm getting tired or, or I'm not feeling this? Like, what, what is, describe what that looks like when you need to walk away from the vice. You, you, you kind of do get fatigued, really. Like, it's just, you, you, your, your mind's not in it. You're just not paying attention enough. And... It's like, it's like a feeling of boredom, kind of. You kind of just feel like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, Either I don't know if it's fatigue or I, I think it is because of fatigue, but I don't know if it's fatigue that starts that or if you actually get bored of tying because mm-hmm. you like to keep your same stuff going. So you keep the same thread on and, you know, you've got your whatever else you're using. So uh, you end up tying a few of the same thing. And sometimes you get fatigued of just looking yeah. at the same thing. I think it's I think mm-hmm. it's a boredom thing where you're like, I don't care anymore. So off you go. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And that's that's how I feel. I get all excited. I'm like, I'm going to try this material. I'm going to try this rap. And then I do a couple. And then you feel at some point where you're just going through the motions. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, that's uh, never a good place for an artist to come from in my mind. I agree. I also think sometimes it's it's a funny situation to be in because it's a win and a loss sometimes to have a ton of the same fly. So when people want to have a ton of the same thing, you're like so grateful that they love your product, but also you're, you have to break it up with a few different flies in the middle or else you start to feel like the quality might not be as good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that for sure. Hmm. Do you find that the more you tie that pattern, it always gets better? Or is there like a point at which you go, okay, I'm tying um, three dozen olive woolly buggers. Um, I've done this before. You know what I mean? But like, you, especially when you hit a new pattern and, and, and you do like, I always make a mistake. I used to post photos of flies and I'd tie two or three and then take a pic and then I'd tie two or three more and like, oh crap, I wish I would have taken a picture of this one. Yeah, th- those ones are way nicer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Hmm. But yeah, I, I think once you get to, yeah, probably that five or six mark, they just start. Yeah they get a consistency to them and they all, they all really look nice and clean and tight. And well, and how I'm always how... impressed when Corey tries to, when Corey takes off the end of like a marabou or something, mm-hmm. he pulls out with his thumb and he, it's exactly the same every time. I don't know how he does it. It just, I'm mm. always in awe when he hands me the foam with all of his flies and they're, they look identical. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you do it. But that to me is a sign Carlene of a good fly tire though because you can be consistent you get those body proportions down so you know how long the thorax is you know how long the tail is I think you know when you start tying you you kind of figuring that out as you go and you come up with like systems right yeah it's frustrating at first I definitely threw my vice a few times (laughs) (laughs) it's a contact sport out in the back oh, 40 i had a, i had a ratty old piece of crap vice and you'd get you'd just about get your fly finished and the fly would fall off the vice and, oh yeah been there yeah. or your thread breaks or yeah. oh yeah yeah hmm. we're gonna talk we're gonna talk materials i want to talk vices we'll get into all of that but um we talked about your favorite place to talk fishing, which is out in the backyard. Sounds like um, favorite sports team. Are you guys sports fans at all? If, if if so, who do you follow? I'm hockey for the most part. I don't have a team per se that I follow. The, mm-hmm. the Oilers, Canucks, Calgary. You know the West Coast teams. They're mm-hmm. they're they're on TV the most, so that's where I really spend a lot of time. And, and yeah. you know McDavid and Drysaddle. How do you not watch the Oilers? Yeah, fair. Carlene, what about you? Same. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a hockey fan as well. Um, I get a little bit of just like you get a little bit of time fatigue. I get a little hockey fatigue because it's on at our house for all all as much as hockey can be on. So um, sometimes I start ignoring what's in the background. I tend to cheer for players more than teams. Hmm. Um, I guess I'd say I'm probably a if I had to pick a team I, that I wanted to see win the Stanley Cup. I guess I'd say it was the Oilers. Uh, but I tend to cheer for players. I I love hmm. Flurry because he smiles all the time. <laughs> he looks like he's having so much you, fun. Are you talking about Mark Andre Flurry or Theo yes. Flurry? Okay. Uh, Mark Andre. Okay. I yeah. mean Theo was great too, but yeah. um but yeah, and and like Corey said, you want to see like incredible 
talent. So McDavid, Dreisaitl. I'm looking forward to uh, what's that kid's name? Why am I forgetting it? Oh, Con- uh, Connor Bedard. Bedard. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah. Come up in the world. So yeah, yeah. those kinds of things I like better than than a specific team. I think. Um, although I'll always cheer for whatever Canadian team is is uh, playing for the Stanley Cup. I find so many people gamble on sports or they're in sports pools now. That's the norm now. You're cheering for either the team that you assembled on paper or you're cheering for individuals, which is a little odd when you think about what it used to be, right? For sure. Like yeah. if, if I have a, a two favorite players playing against each other, I'm not cheering for either of the teams. Hmm. I'm really cheering to see something big happen with one of those two players. Interesting. Why do you do this? Why do you spend so much time at the Tang Vice? Uh, Carlene, let's start with you. Like, what, what does fly fishing, fly tying bring into your world? Um, well, I think, I think the thing that started it was Corey was out tying and, you know, I, I would, he would show me things and he was so excited about it. And he was so like, it was, it was, um, really watching that thing come to fruition. And I really like seeing something happen and it happens so quickly with fly tying. It's, you know, 10 minutes maybe or whatever. Maybe it's, you're doing a difficult one. The most you're going to spend is 30 minutes on a fly. And then you get to see this work of art you made. And so watching him and seeing like he, learning. When I learned how to do the whip finish, that was it for me. That's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. I just think it's the coolest thing you can do. You know what's funny is I, I've been tying since I was like 12 years old. And I never whip finished. I used to do a hand whip finish. I could never figure it out. And finally, buddies talked to me. He's like, why don't you whip finish? I'm like, I can't figure this out. And all I did is I went on YouTube and I practiced. And you're right. I totally agree with you. Because once you can do that, it's so simple, right? Yes. I somehow built it up in my head harder than it was. Yeah, me too. I was really intimidated by it at first. And then once I could do it, I... and. I don't know. There's just something I feel so happy every time, not because I failed at it at the beginning, but it just, I don't know. There's just something so special about it. What's the, what's the perfect number for you, Carlene? Like My how, number how, is four. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good unless one. I'm, unless I'm tying off, then I do like usually one or two, Yeah. but, um, but four is my finishing number. Hmm. I, I, I'm a three times two. Three. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So talk to me, Corey, about why you think you do this. What, what does, what does all this bring into your house? You you know, as I, I've never been artistic at all. Like I can't even draw a stick man that looks real. So after the struggle, (laughs) the struggles of learning this, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just, I love it and quite passionate about it. I, I think you could draw a stick, man. I think you could. No, <laughs> no, I really do struggle. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send you one with the two flies, a picture. <laughs> like I'd add to that, Mark. Another thing for me, I'm going to go into the mushy side now. I really like that that camaraderie we have as like fly tying partners, as opposed to husband and wife. Mm-hmm. It's just a different sort of like. Um, it's a different kind of thing to share. It's hard yeah. to share your your artistic whatever it is with someone else. If one of you is a painter and one of you is a poet, 
you're not really sharing the understanding of what that is, but sharing that actual like feeling and seeing each other's work and hmm. trying to duplicate it or whatever. It's just kind of a, a real, and then, you know, seeing you, seeing someone, seeing my husband catch something on a fly I've tied. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. I agree. Cause sometimes I think with a lot of couples, you know, you kind of have your own interests. They don't always overlap and I'm sure when they do, it's kind of cool. And I agree with you that that artistic side, the feeling of accomplishing something in 30 minutes and going, okay, this is what we made or what I made or what you made. Um, it, it's kind of, it's satisfying on a lot of different levels. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk jobs. So um, I know um, I always like to talk the best jobs you guys have had. And I know that you guys have had day jobs um, throughout. This is kind of a side hustle, I'm assuming. Um, Corey, I know you're in plumbing and heating. Uh, are you doing your best gig to date so far? I, You know, I think one of my, my favorite jobs I had was freshly out of high school. We were, well, my dad was in the, at, at, working for Atco. So I got in, you know, Yep. What's one of his, uh, I wouldn't call him an installer, but, and it was, it was, it was up Williston Lake and we, we, we flew in up the lake, took this one logging camp out, the, the, the barge come up, you know, they, they'd grab it with the semi truck and tow her back down to the barge, the whole camp. Hmm. And then, we, and then we'd fly out, fly up the lake, probably three, four days later, the barge would show up at the other end. And then we'd install this camp up there. And, wow. Did you do much fishing there? We didn't. We didn't think we'd have any time. We ended up sitting there for three or four days twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> oh, that would drive me nuts. Oh, it was. And the bull trout fishing up there would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, what about you, Carlene? Uh, best gig you've had to date? Is it C3 Custom Flies or something else? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good gig. Um, but that is. To be frank, when you do this, if you make enough to pay for what you're doing, you're you're ahead of the game. <laughs> so no, so we're it. not we're not going on any vacations to go on beautiful fishing trips in you know Mexico or anything. But uh, my favorite gig, I was the uh, mascot for our local WHL hockey team for two seasons. Wow! So and that there the is Cougars. nothing better. Yeah, for the Cougars. Yeah, I was Rowdy Cat. Um, <laughs> At the time I worked at the casino, by the way, that's the second best gig, playing cards for a living. But but you do have a lot of people, grown-ups, whining and complaining, calling you names, doing all that stuff when you're dealing cards to them. Then I would go to my second job after work to a hockey game and everybody loves you. You're, you're just like a hero and it's just you're hiding behind the suit. You can be as silly yeah. as you want. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was definitely – and I got to watch a lot of hockey – uh, with not paying my ticket price. <laughs> okay, so you're you're probably the first mascot I've ever spoken to. So, so we're gonna <laughs> do, gonna be the last. We're dude. doing a deep dive. So you got the suit on. Yeah. For the uh, Cougars, what did you, what did you call name of the cat? His name's Rowdy Cat. Rowdy Cat. Okay, so we got Rowdy Cat. So, what's the most challenging part? Other than I'm sure you're sweating like crazy in there. But what's yeah. the most challenging part of, of being Rowdy Cat? Uh, so when you're in the suit, you are you look much bigger than you are. Although there was two of us 
uh, at the time, and my partner was six foot one, and I'm five foot four. So <laughs> when grownups would come into the rink, they'd be like, "Oh, it's little rowdy cat, or it's rowdy kitten, or you know, whatever." <laughs> That's funny. Because I was considerably smaller. Uh, but the most challenging part is when a person your size comes and jumps into your arms, and you have to try to. Oh, uh, yeah. To, you know, get around that, figuring out how to do that, because you're supposed to be big and strong, you're rowdy cat. So that's probably the uh, the biggest part. A funny opposite effect it had was, of course, you've got these big feet on. Mm-hmm. And even now, if I go into the CN Center, which is where our cats play, I have to be really careful on the stairs, because for me, those stairs require these big feet. <laughs> <laughs> So, when I have my regular size feet, I really have to pay attention. You're, you're, you're used to walking differently. Uh, yeah, up, I was uh, running up and down those stairs for two years with these giant feet on, so that's what feels normal oh to God, me. Oh, God, that's hilarious. What is the best part about being a mascot? Like, is it when is it when those kids are melting and loving what you're doing, or what is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. They're just so, like, in awe, and they're so happy to see you, and you can just brighten their day, and just by, like, you know, patting them on the head or hmm. or qu- stopping for a quick picture and it's it's very fulfilling to to watch a child's face light up is it forbidden to talk so you you can't say anything can you you don't say anything to kids i have um <laughs> i have one funny story about i was these gentlemen i would say in their early 30s maybe late 20s they were harassing their buddy because it was their bachelor party and they were starting off at the hockey game they were trying to embarrass him uh, by getting Rowdy Cat to, like, sit on his lap and, you know, whatever. Right, so right. I did tell him that there was a girl in the suit, so he didn't have to feel so silly about <laughs> <laughs> about me. And so, you know, that, that became the joke, that the joke was on them instead of him. But, yeah, no, it's – we uh, we don't talk – you don't talk when you're no. Rowdy Cat. Cats don't talk. There is a fan in the head, so when kids pat the head, it feels like Rowdy Cat's purring. Ah, so that's kind of cool but yeah as little talking as possible and not when there's children around interesting what's the worst job you ever had if you if you if you look back in your working career carlene and went i'm i'm not doing that again what would that be a customer service agent for a telecommunications company (laughs) yes yes the angry customer i am not a salesperson and that's all it was pushing those sales and i hated it oh so you're trying to yeah yeah i feel that trying to fix somebody's problem and they're like oh sell them this no that just wasn't for me i was i was terrible at it and i i was good at the uh fixing their problems not so much at the getting them to buy stuff from me what about you, Corey? Um, I mean, we we talking like, you know, psychologically talking rowdy cat off an edge. What, what's the worst gig you've? <laughs> what's the worst gig you've had? Uh, I I recently left a job late last year, and I would have to say that one. I don't want to say too much yeah, more, but that's fair. Yeah, I'm not looking to name names, but it was just. Uh, so let me ask you this: Was it more the job or the surroundings and and the the people in the job well uh it's just it, it was too corporate and way too top heavy and just, okay yeah that's fair yeah we'll leave it at that um good stuff so um fill in the blank for me carlene when you're not fly fishing or fly tying what what are you normally doing like what else are you doing for fun in pg uh we camp a lot sometimes we camp where there aren't lakes so uh that's 
probably my second favorite thing to do. Uh, we camp, Corey's birthday is end of April. We start our camping for his, our annual camping season starts for his birthday weekend. So we start early and then we camp well into hunting season. So hmm. we only miss about four months. Yeah. Oh, it's probably a little uh, longer than that. But five months, five or five and a half. We, yeah. we get out for more than six months of the year. So that's, or we get out at least in six of the calendar months a year. So we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, I do first C3 custom flies. We also do a lot of uh, stickers, apparel, that kind of thing. So I have two benches, Mm -hmm. uh, two hats that I wear. So uh, I really love doing that as well. And we do some custom stuff. We've got a couple of companies that we do their their custom logo stuff as well. Um, So that's kind of fun too. It's two different kinds of sort of things you get to see come together pretty quickly. And then, I, you know, I, I'm kind of a homebody. I don't do a whole heck of a lot else. So, mm-hmm. What about you, Corey? What, what are you doing when you're not tying or fishing? Um, you got in the, win- in the winter. In the winter, I play rec hockey and mm-hmm. do lots of hunting. Trail cams. I'm always running trail cams. I bought, a, I bought an e-bike last year in the spring. Mm-hmm. Fat tired e-bike. And what a, what a way to you know, run around, check cameras and just, just have a good time. Hmm. So just, what are you hunting mostly? Are we talking whitetails, muleys, moose, bear? A uh, little of everything okay. in, in the spring, you know, I'm chasing black bears with the bow in between fishing. Yep. And in the fall it can be, well, it, it starts off with elk. Right. Elk start rutting pretty early in September and I'll, I'll chase those with the bow for the first first 10 days of the season and then it turns to rifle from there hmm. and then yeah well well you're elk hunting you're kind of moose hunting as well right yeah and, you, and then if i get a draw if i get a draw then i'll really focus on the, on the moose but when you, I was, you're just you i was know. just gonna ask you that do you do the limited entry thing definitely hmm it always, I don't know if it's still the case, but it always felt like you would get a limited entry somewhere where you had to travel and spend money. So in other words, it was a way to keep the economy going. It's like, if I applied for a moose tag down here, I'd never get it. But if I applied for one up there, right. Right. And I don't know if that was my perception. I don't know if that was true or not, but. No, it still feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm pretty lucky. I'm living in the heart of moose country in a sense. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I apply and it's a 20 minute drive at, the most for and i'm in i'm in the moose so what's your favorite wild meat uh i'd have to say elk oh yeah no yeah. Moose, moose, it's 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 close elk and moose mm. see it's funny I, I got buddies that they'll bring stuff when we're fishing and it's like try this moose sausage or i always i always prefer the elk and that's just me personally but yeah um, yeah we, we we actually butcher our own meat and make our own sausages and... hmm. love it yeah, we we enjoy that part too. Usually, you know, you're out, you're out moose hunting with a buddy. Or actually, last year it was there was four of us. So you know, the wife the wives were out and mm-hmm. got got a moose, bring it home, butcher it up. And then the daughter and her boyfriends came by and helped us. And that's nice. yeah, just a good time. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that cycle. You know, like I just, agree. I agree too. And I I don't think enough people understand it. No, actually, I agree. I agree. Just shows up in a wrapper at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. They don't know where it came from, and they don't. And then you, 
if you are doing that, you really appreciate, even if you're, even if it's coming from a wrapper in the grocery store, you're appreciating mm -hmm. how it got there. Not just yeah. that you can buy meat there, but just, yeah. you know, you're great. I think, and this will sound really cheesy, but I always think if you're grateful for what you're consuming, like whether it's, whether it's a uh, water or food or alcohol, if it's just a different spin on things, it's because it's like, it's a, I know this will sound really cheesy, but I believe that it's like, if you know what you went through to chase that animal down, to clean it, it's different. Yeah. And you know what? It tastes different. Yes. Oh, it tastes 100%. like, it tastes like uh victory. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good stuff. Um, okay. So, um, we talked jobs, we talked, let's talk C3. Like, I want to know why did you guys start this? Like what, what, was there like a, a tipping point where you looked at each other and said, well, we can do this. Like walk us through the kind of the infancy of your company, C3 custom flies. Well, well I think, I think at the beginning it started off, you, you get into tying and you can only use so many flies yourself and mm -hmm. they start stockpiling and stock. But if, if you want to keep tying, you got to be selling them really. Like, hmm. And Corey would have, when he was, he was tying before me, uh, he actually started tying, uh, 20, we've been together nearly, well, 30, we've been together 30 years. So, um, I think he started tying at least 25 or more years ago and for, uh, for a year or for, so, yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Just, and that's when, he, that's when he got a taste of it. And then, uh, but he didn't have good equipment and whatever. So then he started buying flies and then, you know, you get a couple of good flies from someone you start tying and then his buddies started noticing the same thing, asking for flies and, and then he started saying, like, well, maybe I should, like, start posting these or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And, and it did expand a little bit. So um, most of our – we've got some, like, people we ship to. Most of our clientele is, is local. But uh, it, it started off with just, you know, buddies need a couple of flies and you can't keep giving them away for free. So uh, figuring out what that was going to look like. And then people saying, oh, do you have stickers? And – Oh, you should, you guys should be wearing shirts to do your, you know, to advertise. And so it kind of blew up really organically. Um, we're still very small peanuts, but uh, we're working on it. Yeah. I think that stick to itiveness, it, it's, it's amazing how things can snowball, right? Like it's like, it only takes one or two customers. And then the next thing you know, you've got their good buddies calling you. And the next thing you know, you're at the vice, maybe more than you want to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we do try to stay uh, between the lines for now. Yeah, because we don't want to give up the, the actual time on the weekends mm -hmm. on the water. Yep. So, yeah, so we're, we, we're trying to maintain a balance. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day this will be a career, but uh, at the moment it's trying to maintain a balance between um, love and must. Love and must. Huh. Oh. I like that. That's good. Shame. Did you just make that up? I did. It's pretty good. <laughs> Corey, what's in the glass? I heard some ice cubes going. Uh, what, what you, oh, it's, what, just, it's just lemonade. Lemonade. Yes, yeah, sure <laughs> yeah. it is. Sticking sure to keeping the slurs out of the mouth today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not my specialty. It, it, it'd be bush beer if I was drinking anything. Ah, there you go. that's the go-to when you're camping? 100%. Hmm. Good stuff. I don't drink alcohol, so I'm just his designated driver permanently installed. <laughs> well, you realize that's a green light to him all the time, don't you? Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a mistake. I've often said, like, ah, oh, I should start drinking. <laughs> yeah, my wife says the same. 
She might have a Caesar once in a while, but it's uh, it's usually me doing the consuming, just being honest. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole there. Let's, uh, what else can we talk about? You know what I want to talk about is let's talk about your guys' setup. So I always like talking about, you know, the types of vices you're using, the type of tools. Like I think the tools, and we talked about the whip finish a little bit, but let's talk about... Um, you know, maybe some brands. Are there brands of like bobbins that you guys like to use? Is there a certain vice you like to use? Is there a certain thread you use? What walk us through your setup? We we both have the what is the Griffin Spider? Yeah, yeah. Griffin Spider vices. I I'd like to upgrade here eventually. You know, maybe get a nice Renzetti or something. But mm-hmm. that's a nice vice though. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's treated us well for the price. I don't think you can go wrong. Anybody getting yeah. into fly tying, like I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the vice, but I, of course, if Corey got a new vice, then I would <laughs> I would want one too. Can't, can't have one up over here. This is not right. That's right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, that's funny because I don't think I think if you go to any of the good companies you're not going to get a bad vice like whether it's a peak whether it's a Renzetti whether it's a name a brand insert here agreed yeah I, I I would like to try one of those peaks so they, they look nice too yeah they are very nice I, I don't have That's one but I know guys that do and gals that do and um yeah. they're pretty sweet I know we, we, we need a fly shop here if there was a little more eye candy around I might be in trouble right exactly <laughs> Do you guys yeah. use it's, the? It's easy to spend less when you don't have a place to go and peruse, as opposed to seeing it on a on an Instagram post or a you know commercial during a podcast or whatever, and maybe, thinking about it. Maybe the eye candy and the PG fly shop starts in the back forty there. Well, that's yeah. The gears are always turning on that, it's right? Just, it's so tough these days. Oh, I know. Online and well, you can't. What I think it is too is like as consumers were spoiled right so it's like i don't want just olive marabou i want the golden olive marabou or you and then you got it you know what i mean it's like you got to stock all these different um, oh you, you have to have ten thousand skews instead of two thousand skews yeah you can't carry you know three different hook sizes and brands yeah it's, yes. and then i found that with the fly rod space it's like well start with the meat and potatoes it's probably a eight and a half foot five weight but the reality is if you're still water fishing you probably want a 10 foot five weight you know right so, so yep. everyone wants what they want and and that adds up to inventory which equals dollars which equals um bad business decisions sometimes <laughs> right and then you got to be stuck at home working at your store oh uh, yeah we've, we've talked about it a yeah. few times like what if but we also Corey's also talked about maybe being like a uh scout for hunting he's been mm-hmm. asked to be a guide. a guide sorry scout. <laughs> he's been asked to be a guide a few times or guide a few trips or whatever but he's always said that then he's hunting for someone else and, and uh doesn't get to get out himself so yeah i think it's funny the guiding space and i talk to a lot of guides and i know from the outside looking in i think in my brain i'd be good at that i know i'd love it but would it take away from my enjoyment of it when I'm doing it, like it's, you've got to really want to make other people happy. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. I find and what that. What if you've got that like big moose and you know where he is and you take these people into that spot. Yeah. They get your moose. It, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a double edged sword, but I think, yeah, that is a tough one for sure. And I think too, the, the, 
a lot of us don't realize how hard those guys and gals are working. Like you're. Oh, definitely. Oh, they're working hard, and they, yeah. they don't they don't make. No. You know the the greatest they make good money, but it's for what they're doing. They could be paid two or three times more. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk bobbins. Like, is there a brand that you guys lean to? No, I I don't think I do really. I, it, I have a couple of Togans ones actually I really like, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, my Togans is oh ah I've got a couple, but I think my Togans one is my favorite. It's really smooth. I just hmm. I just and it's um like it never lets my thread loose if I'm if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing and my right. thread gets a little bit loose. I feel like it's still tight enough. Yeah, you like the stone flow too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I got one of those. A stone flow. Stone yes. flow. Yeah. Sorry, I always pronounce it wrong. No, that's okay. Yeah, I, I do like that one too. Yes. Um, I usually have three or four bobbins going at one time. So I got a. I don't uh, have to reload my thread. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm really bad at remembering the names of the brands of the bobbins. And uh, I've got this one that I really like. It's like. Uh, here it is right here. Uh, right bobbin. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I really like that. I, I, I would like to try one actually. It's pretty good, but I will say that the Stonefall is way cheaper and it's very similar in style, and I, I do like it too. Hmm. What What about like dubbing? Are you guys so when you're say you're doing some dubbing? Are you using rabbit fur? Are you using synthetics? Are you using uh, you know like I don't know if you use Chinook wind stuff like leech doubling no, or no, no, we definitely use some Chinook wind that like the police car stuff is super nice. Mm-hmm. And then, and we, we mix a lot of our own blends in, in the coffee grinder. And... Is this a different grinder than you guys make coffee in day to day? Yeah. <laughs> nah, sometimes Carlene doesn't drink coffee, so it really doesn't matter to her, but <laughs> this... I'd grind his coffee in there. I wouldn't care. It wouldn't matter it, to me. Yeah, really, this tastes like peacock hurl and cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah I, it's funny because I, I have a, so any, anytime we get tired of the grinder we're using, I bring it down to my, my tying area and I've got lots of them, but I don't do it a lot, but it really works well. And, and what they're talking about, if you guys haven't tried this, just use a normal coffee bean grinder, and then you make your own colors, right? You put or and, and, and you're, some sparkle dubbing in there, different colors, and then you, it's really unique. It is. You can come up yeah. with some super nice blends. The the biggest problem with it is trying to remember how to do that mm. blend again. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, just eyeballing shit. So it's like you, cooking without a recipe and then trying to make it exactly the same. It's not going to happen. But yeah, you're gonna. You might be disappointed, but who knows? Maybe it'll turn out better. Do you guys use a dubbing loop when you when you dub, or do you just yeah. kind of feather it in there? A little of both, depending on the fly. But you know, mm. on leeches and stuff, it's it's a, it's a dubbing loop. Do you use like a Velcro brush or some type of brush to kind of um, uh, brush it out and make it lifelike? Yeah, yeah. Have a few different brushes, the Velcro strip for sure, mm-hmm. and then I got, I've got a like uh, a little wire brush as well. And yeah, I've got a couple of wire brushes, and then I have a. a like soft toothbrush so it's i put velcro on one end and then on the other end it's nice and soft so after i brush it out i can smooth it out with that are you guys uv resin are you sally hard as nails are you what how do you finish a chronomet is what i want to know i i am a i'm a uv guy okay and and i and i like the loon flow 
Yeah. I really like Zoom Flow. That's the one I use. Yeah, too. me too. I do use Crazy Glue sometimes, but I prefer the UV as well. Yeah, I, I, I go back and forth between um, basically nail polish, Sally Hard as nails, and then, uh, uh, like with you guys, the UV uh, Loon Flow. I like that one. I had some that I really, the fumes were like, oh, God, I could I, smell the, it, and it bothered me. I'm just like, that one no, was No, I, I had to, I won't mention the brand, but it, it was actually putting burn marks on my cheeks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I I would come out of the shop, and the next morning I'd wake up and I'd have a sunburn on my face from it. I think it's important that people know if they use UV resins to be very, very, very careful with them because they they make the flies look beautiful. But if if you happen to be allergic to it, you can have some really bad side effects. Yeah, and definitely. Then on, on some of the cronies, we prefer to use crazy glue. It just doesn't change the colors of the threads as much. And then you got like these. Uh, you got like these black sallies glued to your hand at the end of the day. See, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't trust myself with crazy glue. I've had some bad experiences. <laughs> yeah. Why, why have you got a Spratly on your index finger? Right. I, yeah, for sure. I haven't had luck with the Sally hard as nails, so I don't use it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, crazy glue has done the same thing to me. I've definitely had, yeah, some some uh skin loss to crazy glue yikes yeah any of these glues and you know there's, there's so many options now but I, I agree with you i do i do like that loon flow it's it goes on real thin and you can build it up um depending on what you're trying to do right yeah i like the i like the texture of it and the and it does go on thin you don't have to uh be so careful some of them are they just glop right out of there and mm-hmm. it's funny how um people get very heated about their uv resin i always laugh when i see these sites and they're going off and it's like you know what if you don't like it don't use it try something else. i agree it is quite funny though it's nice to be on the bench watching that conversation happen yeah i find it odd um okay any other tips what would you say to somebody that's just starting out tying like so let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're like man i don't tie flies but i think i want to figure it out where do you start uh, for, for me, it, it, it was YouTube, you know, BC fly guys, Phil Rowley, oh, yeah. the, the videos those guys have put out are just amazing. And you, you can get so far into a pattern, rewind it, go back. Like it's, it's so helpful. I couldn't imagine try, mm-hmm. trying to learn it out of a book. These, you yeah. know, yeah. I, I agree. And then on Instagram, uh, BC fly guys, they do quite a lot of, um, especially in the winter time, but once a week they do a, a live and when you're watching and you see, oh, he made a mistake and he backed out of it, or he's talking about it and he's telling you what he's doing and you are seeing that even somebody who's, you know, been doing it for a long time and does it a lot, it's not always going to be perfect. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really good place to sort of get interested and watching it happen live like that and seeing it come to fruition is really mm-hmm. kind of exciting if you're wanting to get to learn it. Yeah. Uh, I would say that, something if you're going to start off i think that people should watch at least four or five youtube videos on whip finishing (laughs) because it's definitely the most frustrating part everything else is you know it's not easy but it's um Hmm. you can see it happening and if you mess it up you can back it up you can't you can't if you if you mess up your whip finish you're starting over so 
uh, watching those videos and then being really patient with yourself with whip finishing. Do you guys have a nemesis? Like I'm going to throw this out here just as an example. I hate trimming deer hair, spinning deer hair. It's not my favorite. Same with spinning dubbing. It's not my favorite. But is there something that you do on the bench? You're like, oh, man, this. I don't tie with deer hair. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I do a little bit, but I'm not into really spinning it yet. And I, I, I need to do more of that. I want to, you know, figure out some deer hair, deer hair dragons. and. Yeah. Oh, it's a great but, pattern for sure. But yeah. I see some of these guys and gals doing like these, you know, like uh, frog patterns and out of deer hair for bass. And it's got all these different colors or cicada patterns. And I'm like, man, that looks like that might take all night. Oh, for sure. And I can't imagine the mess that's left behind. Yeah. Oh, the waste basket. And the frustration. The, the holes in the wall from you punching holes in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you got your own deer hair, though. Maybe you should start doing that. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. There's another little business. <laughs> yeah. Just, we'll just start selling deer hair. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? But my, my, ne- my one nemesis in a pattern is probably the stimulator, though. For some reason, I, I agree. I hate that pattern. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I'm trying to think. I know there's another one. The deer hair gonfus is one for me I don't love doing. Um, but like he said, if you watch a lot of videos and the right people that you can learn from, like I used to watch a lot of Davy McPhail. I mm-hmm. really like his stuff. And then, of course, oh, uh, what's the fellow's name that everybody, Kelly Gallup. Like I love watching his stuff. It's great. Yeah, no, he's good too. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty laid back. Let's talk about um, your guys' perfect day. And I don't know if they're the same or not, but uh, chime in on this. What does your dream day on the water look like, Carlene? So, you know, is it a midsummer day? Is it a spring, fall? What are you chasing? Who are you with? Paint us a picture. I sound like a blushing bride, but I really only like fishing with Corey. Uh, we have a pretty good system down and we don't have to talk about it or think about it. We just know who's doing what, when. Uh, so he's the, I do fish with other people. Uh, I do like taking a girlfriend out on the water just with me and her. Cause they tend to be a little bit more excited about it. Um, when it's, you know, they're not, again, it's the, it's feeling silly in front of a man thing, which we shouldn't do anymore, but anyways, we do it. Um, my perfect day on the water. I actually like to sleep in in the morning. Uh, so Corey usually goes out by himself first thing, very mm-hmm. early, and then I head out with him after that. I think I would say spring is my favorite time. Yep. Just after ice off, I think, is my favorite time. I think you've been waiting so long, and I don't love ice fishing, so I think I've been waiting so long to get on the water. So I, I don't know if it's because the fishing is better, but it's I'm most excited about it all the time. Oh, yeah. I don't care if it's sunny or raining. I probably prefer a less hot day. Just, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing the fish in, it's a little easier on them. And also, you can't stay out as long. We can stay out all day if if the uh, weather is a little bit cooler. Yeah. I like... My favorite fish I ever caught, and I've only caught one, was a brook trout. It was a... a, I, I, I always catch rainbow. Uh, some kokanee but my favorite fish I ever caught was a brookie and it was not because it was just a little bit bigger but it was just a different kind of fight I've always caught rainbow so that's what I'm used to so it was mm-hmm. just a little bit of a different kind of fight so they do fight um, different. yeah so that was kind of a 
I, I might say that, but I haven't caught a ton of them. Maybe after I catch a bunch, I think it was rainbow again. But hmm. And then, uh, yeah, coming in, sitting by the fire when we can. And, and that's probably my perfect day. Perfect. Corey, uh, yours, I assume, is somewhat similar. It, it, it's very similar. You know, I, I get up in the morning and have a couple cups of coffee, maybe around what's left of the campfire if it's still burning from a late night. And I'll head out on the water. You know, I love a foggy morning. Not me being foggy, but the weather being foggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hope, hope, you know, maybe, maybe anchored near a, a nice weedy, weedy patch somewhere and fishing, fishing some leeches under the indicator. Mm-hmm. Catch, Start figuring out what's going on there and get some uh, throat samples done. Hmm. Hopefully they're on to the chronomids and head back into camp. A little breakfast with the wife. Typically my brother comes out on some of these trips too. And Nice. And then Carlina and I'll head out onto the water and hopefully the fish have kind of pushed into the deep water because the last little bit we've been doing some of that deep line stuff. Hmm. And that's been... That's a whole new new ball game. It's it, it's been very interesting. That's fun when that fish comes shooting out of the water. There's yeah, and you and you don't know it's coming because it's coming right at you. <laughs> yeah, is that you're it's talking like dirty dangle like straight down? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we've been fishing in. Well, this weekend we were in 60, 65 feet in the one lake. No oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. It, it was slow fishing, but the whole we you know we bounced around the lake all over the place that day, and nothing else was happening. So. You, did you find them on the finder and then just anchor up? You betcha. Hmm. And they were in 60 feet? Yep. Were they hanging at 60 feet? We, you, we get the odd one on a bloodworm close to the bottom. Right. And then we, we started, actually, it's the uh, it's an Orion Crotomon. It's a black with a red rib and a fluorescent green bead. Hmm. And we noticed the fish were starting to suspend at about 40 feet. But when, you, when you're letting your... Uh, hemostats down when you're trying to figure out your depth right you, you can see them going down on the fish finder so we were able to figure out where roughly where 40 feet of water is and it would stop it right there hmm. bring it back up take the take the hemostats off drop her down and just just sit at 40 in in that depth think about, in, in that 60 70 foot depth think about what you just said like go back 30 years we could see the hemostats on the fish finder. Like, it, right? It boggles it, my mind. I, I went fishing last year there one day. <laughs> Thought I had charged my fish finder and it hadn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little lost that day. Felt archaic. <laughs> well, you know, especially when you're fishing big water or even water that you don't know, it just gives you a starting point. So if you're fishing, yeah. you know, 60 feet of water and you find a cluster of fish in 40 feet on a point, you might want to anchor. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're never figuring that out without a fish finder. Well, I was not laughing. Me, not me anyways. Me neither. You're pulling your anchor up and you can actually see it coming up on the fish finder. I love that too. So you, yeah. know, you know it's legit, right? Hmm. What kind of fish finder do you guys have on your setup? Uh, striker four, the Garmin striker four. Hmm. Yeah. You know, people seem little. to like those. Yeah. It's a great unit for the price. It's cheap. It's portable. And then I'll use, we use it when we ice fishing in the winter too. So yeah. Perfect. Good stuff. Yeah. Have you guys had anything weird happen to your, 
do you either of you in your time on the water, like whether it's wildlife encounters or um, anything that was memorable? I am sure we have with the I amount have. of time I spent out there, but I I can't. No, I have one. Two oh, yeah. years ago, Corey caught a fishing rod. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. How, how did, that was a pretty good one. How did that happen? Was it a fly rod? It was a fly rod. I hmm. can't even remember what it was. It was a Sincroya too, wasn't it? it? I believe it was. Yeah. 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 Huh. So what? You just felt something heavy, and you probably hooked the line first. We, we were we were heading back to uh, camp actually, so we were just trolling, trolling on our way back because we only had the electric motor going and. I was like, thought it was a fish, and then I'm like, no, I'm snagged, but there's no way we should be snagged here. Yeah, pull, pull a whole rod and reel set in. I caught a Reebok one time, and I swear it took line. <laughs> that is a different thing of saying uh, I caught a rubber boot, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, it was. We were on uh, a lake near Merritt, and I was with a buddy from the fly club back in the day, and it was a, remember the high top? canvas kind of white shoes but it had been in the lake a long time so it looked pink so it really looked like a rainbow and i'm like is this did i foul hook this what's going on all of a sudden i'm like that's a shoe it's a reebok that is so funny yeah it was it was funny and it was super clear water because it probably yeah i mean that's that's amazing i like to i don't tell people this but i back my drag off as much as possible so everything everybody thinks i got a big fish on no, it was only it was only a size eight. Well, good stuff. So, um, talk to me about how we find you guys. So, the best way to get a hold of C three Custom Flies. I I know you're on Instagram. Um, walk us through where we find you on Instagram, or uh, do you have a dot com? Tell us where you're at. Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, C three underscore custom flies on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a website yet. Uh, we're just kind of sticking with Instagram for now. That's where we get most of our traffic. You can find it under the same thing on Facebook. Okay. Um, but most of our posting that we do is on Instagram. Um, and then uh, we were just starting to figure out how to do a bit of a website. So that should be coming within the next couple months. When fishing's done, we're going to work harder on that. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, between spending time in the water and spending time at the vice you've, and your day jobs, I'm sure you guys, <laughs> it's not like you've got a lot of spare time, right? Hmm. So um, best way for somebody to get you through Instagram is what, like direct message and just say, hey, I'm looking for, uh, you know, four dozen Absolutely. vampire leeches or whatever. Absolutely. And we... We both are, uh, we stay, we both end up staying up pretty late. We're both night owls. So, uh, we're pretty much available to answer a quick question pretty quickly. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. First mascot ever on the show. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'll take that as an honor. <laughs> and, uh, your, the fact your dad worked at Atco back in the day, uh, that struck a chord with me. So Carlene, Corey, Carlin out of Prince George, British Columbia, C3 Custom Flies. Guys, thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate your time. It's been good chatting. We, thanks, we appreciate it as well, Mark. It was, it was really it was fun. fun. So we'll catch you next time on the show. Until then, um, tight lines, everybody. Tight lines. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, powered by theflycrate.com your source for all things fly fishing. 
Wait For It Films, featuring fly fishing videos and camera-related content, custom music from Damian Anderson, and by BrokenTippet.com.